You're listening to episode 102 of the Comics Pals, where a group of comic book journalists and friends record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Pete has been so obsessed with the new Spider-Man video game that he dragged us all the way up to Queens, New York, just because of Peter Parker. And so now, we're all here, and we're just sitting here doing nothing. Well, if you had played the game, you would understand why I was so obsessed, Phil. Uh, I don't know what video games are. <laughs> if, it's, if it's not balls, I don't want to play it. <laughs> yeah, so your being in Queens would have nothing to do with the fact that it's uh, Marco's house? No, probably not. I don't even live in Queens. I don't even live in Manhattan or the city or New York. Where do you huh. live? The moon. Oh, that's in the canon now. Marco lives on the moon and explains why he's so odd. Yes. Well, I live in hell. And, uh, <laughs> Me too, man. And I'm your keeper. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the boys are in New York because it is New York Comic Con weekend. Of course, you guys would know that. Um, big, big news to talk about here. From the show, we've been having a great time. For us, it is Saturday, so it's, you know, we're in the thick of it. Uh, Tomorrow, we'll hit the show again and drag ourselves through the rest of our schedule before we all go collectively die. You guys are so Um, tired. Yeah, we are very, very exhausted. Uh, But... Of course, we're not going to let a week go by without a show for you guys. So here we are recording this after our big day. Um, Before we jump into everything that has come from New York Comic Con, there are a couple of things to get out of the way, like letting you guys know where you can find us. We are on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. We are on all social media platforms. At the Comics Pals, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you. Uh, you can like the video, leave us a comment, share with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. It's free to do. It helps us out a lot more than it costs you. On top of that, we've got quite a bit of different content for you guys to check out. We've got the Four Kids Walk Into a Bank book club that is out right now. We've got the Venom book club that is out right now. We've also got the Venom movie review that is out right now, which you should definitely go uh, swing over and listen to whenever you get the opportunity. But of course, not before you finish this. Pete, did you like that movie? You'll have to watch the review to find out. All right. We'll see if uh, we'll see if that little tidbit lasts throughout the rest. Yeah, that's not that's that's not going to be much of a spoiler. Uh, I promise you. And also, I wanted to plug our next book club, which is going to be a book called Infidel. Uh, If you don't know, Infidel is a horror book um, that I believe dropped from Image, right? I believe it's an Image comic. And uh, we're going to be talking about that this month, the month of October. It's a horror book. So, of course, we're getting spooky. And uh, just giving you guys the heads up so that you have the opportunity to read it for when that episode drops. So, before we jump into everything, I've got a question for you all. What's that mean? Hmm. Would that mean it's uh, time for the random question of the week? I gotta be quick because we're at Michael's apartment. 
It's 11 p.m. <laughs> that was probably the best one, honestly. When Pete started to do his normal thing, Marco looked at him like, please don't get me kicked out of my apartment. <laughs> his whole body clenched. Real, real simple, like we normally do during Comic-Con weekend. I just want to know from you guys, what is your favorite moment from our trip so far? Marco, you got one? Reconnecting with creators. Be them good or bad interactions. <laughs> Do you want to share that story, Marco? Not no. particularly. I <laughs> <laughs> right, have to get at Marco on Twitter for that one. <laughs> okay, cool. That's a funny answer. <laughs> I like that. Um, my favorite part of the weekend. Um, you know the. This weekend, we did a second Fill Me In, and I think that turned out really goofy. It's a lot of fun. And you'll all see that when that comes up on YouTube. Uh, it features a lot of different cosplayers and uh, friends of our show, and uh, some special appearances from Robert Thompson of the Video Game Pals, Marco, Pete, Sean, the boys. So yeah, that was a lot of fun, and I hope you guys enjoy watching it because it was fun to make. Yeah, that that should be dropping uh, a little later in the week. We've also got interviews that are going to be coming out. That right. should be a lot of fun as well. So stay locked to our YouTube page for everything New York Comic Con 2018. Pete, what's your answer? Uh, for me, it was definitely getting to do another Fill Me In as well. Um, I really, really, really love producing that series along with Phil and Marco. And uh, it's it's just a ton of fun. And um, I am really looking forward to getting to like kind of go through all the footage that we shot this weekend and uh, string together Phil's nonsense into some sort of narrative. He's got to make it work somehow. And uh, it was also really cool. I got to uh, reconnect with uh, Mr. Ryan Otley, who is, uh, you know, my favorite artist in the biz. Uh, obviously, you know, most well-known for Invincible, working on Spider-Man now. Uh, and I should be getting an interview with him tomorrow, uh, fingers crossed. So, uh, but it was really cool to reconnect with him and for him to remember me. Every time he does, I'm uh, astounded because we've had so few, like, very short interactions. Um, so that's always cool. And uh, I did want to jump back to... One of my stories. Um, one of Marco's stories. Particularly, uh, I think one of the best moments has been uh, Pete. I mean, Phil's feud with Ryan O'Sullivan. Oh, we're going to bring up that amateur, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I will not have you trash Ryan O'Sullivan on this show. He is my friend. <laughs> oh, so I didn't know you were friends with Smucks now. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm friends oh. with you, so... Yeah, you're friends with the A-lister. That goes without saying, my dude. <laughs> so you gonna tell a story or what? That was a story. <laughs> that was the, a lead. The, that what? That wasn't a story. You said you said one of your favorite moments was the feud between Phil and Ryan O'Sullivan. Are yeah. you gonna talk about it? Is anyone gonna talk about it? I was just thinking of it just generally. Okay, fine. I'll explain the I'll, I'll explain the situation. So I don't know if you guys are really interested. I walked by Ryan's booth and 
You know what? It turned out he listened to our episode where we reviewed his new book, Fearscape, where I was a little critical of it, and he did not take the criticism well. And now we have a blood feud, and he and I are going to fight until our knuckles are raw, bruised, and bloody. Okay. I want to stop you right now because What's I wrong? want to clarify that What's Ryan wrong? O'Sullivan took the criticism very fine. I don't want to actually disparage his <laughs> character. We don't do that. Listen, um, that's but, one way but, to look at it. But if you want to see more of what Phil is referring to, then you're definitely going to want to go over and watch my interview with Ryan O'Sullivan, which should be on YouTube this week. So head over there and check that out. And if you want to see more of what I'm talking about, check our interview with Plaid. He'll back me up in that interview. <laughs> uh, Very good. Uh, as for my favorite moment, it would have to be, uh, and there was a lot of really awesome stuff, too many too many to name, uh, but it would have to be getting to play the uh, Mr. Re Surviving the Nightmare World game, Hell which is yeah. actually on Kickstarter right now. Uh, we were lucky enough to be able to play test that game uh, with Julie Aaron, who actually produced the game. Uh, it's it's really fantastic. Uh, we had a we had a blast. The video of that is going to be up really soon too, so you guys can watch us playing the game. Uh, Julie demoed it and was sort of the the game master. Uh, the the game functionality is really awesome and really unique. We're not gonna talk about it a ton right now, just because we've got a lot of other show to do. But like I said, it's up there. Uh, it'll be on YouTube real soon for you guys to check out. And we will have Dirk Manning here to talk more about that in a couple of weeks. So if you want to know more, there are lots of ways that you can find that out. And we will have a link below to the Kickstarter page where you can also check the game out there. So lots of ways you can find the game if you're interested. We're going to talk a lot more about it. It was a hell of a lot of a hell of a good time. Excuse me. There was only one issue with it, and I'm not going to go into too much detail. But let's just say that someone on this podcast, Pete, ruined the game at the end. Ooh. Yeah, I ruined the game by whooping your sad ass. It's fine. Let's move on. I made two enemies this weekend. <sighs> Boy, I I hate spoilers. Uh, yeah, me too. But Phil doesn't know how to produce content, so I'm angry. So am I. Uh, so let's dive into the news because even before New York Comic Con started, there was a bunch of stuff that went on. So we're going to get through that. Uh, the first bit is that Chris Evans has officially wrapped Avengers 4. Now, that presumably also means that he is wrapped as the character Steve Rogers, Captain America. Uh, he went to Twitter and sort of made the announcement that uh, that he had that he had wrapped uh, and of course that brought out a lot of people uh, with a lot to say Ryan Reynolds tweeted I'm not crying I'm weeping there's a difference uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson tweeted what a run you had brother congrats on breathing life into such an iconic character keep on keeping on so uh, the the official statement that came from Chris, Chris Evans was officially wrapped on Avengers 4. It was an emotional day to say the least. Playing this role over the last eight years has been an honor. To everyone in front of the camera, behind the camera, and in the audience, thank you for the memories. Eternally grateful. So, uh, of course, 
from us to Chris Evans. Thank you so much for your contributions. And I just wanted to ask you guys, do you, do you feel that Chris embodied Captain America? Do you, do you feel like he was the right choice? And do you feel like he's done a great job with this character? I do. Uh, I'm a really big fan of Chris Evans as Captain America. I think he's a good actor. Um, you know, at least from my, my perception of him as a public figure, he seems like a pretty, like, you know, stand-up guy. Um, you know, there's always the stories of him, you know, going to meet with fans, you know, like sick kids in the hospital, stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it seemed like he, he really had a, a love and, and respect for the character. And, uh, and I think, I think he did a lot of good work as Captain America, you know, and as much as, um, I'm sad to see him go. I totally get why he's ready to move on. And, uh, you know, I wish him all the best. You know, I'm excited to see what's next for him. Yeah, who would have thought that the man who played the Human Torch in those very excellent Fantastic Four movies would have made such a great Captain America? Um, For my money, the Winter Soldier and Civil War are in the top five best MCU films uh, ever made. And a lot of that is because of Chris Evans. And you see in Infinity War Part 1, when he's introduced, is the kind of the amount of respect he's earned because his reveal is just such a weighty moment, like a kind of you know, audience clapping, kind of sensational moment. It's because Chris Evans has done so much with the character and um, maybe he won't be remembered in the same association like Robert Downey Jr. has with Iron Man. But for my money, he's been kind of the linchpin for the MCU. What do you think, Marco? Um, just jumping back to his tweet, I feel like uh, you know he, he really meant this, that this role has been so impactful, not just to, to him, but to the, like Pete mentioned, to the people you know, sort of around him, to the kids that he sort of helped and then, then the people that he inspired. So, um, yeah, I mean, thank you and best of luck in all of your endeavors because the, the legacy you left behind to like, what? <laughs> I can't believe you just future endeavored Chris Evans. Yeah. <laughs> is he fired? Are you letting him go? He is. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know that Marco is like our our PR person. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like who talk? You don't talk like that in real life. Good luck, Mister Evans, in your future <laughs> endeavors. Do you see? Oh, I'm sorry, Marco. No, 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 um, no. That's it. Like you did a lot. Like, thank you for being that linchpin. That was a nice yeah. eulogy. I, was, think, dude. <laughs> I think it's especially you a lot. 2018. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I, th- I think it's especially cool just because um, similar to, you know, a conversation I think we've had uh, once or twice, like about Wonder Woman, you know, before um, Chris Evans and the MCU, like Captain America wasn't what he is now, right? He wasn't a household name in the way he is now. He wasn't a Marvel A-lister um, in the way that he is now. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think to Phil's point, right? Like, I don't I don't know that he'll ever be thought of by general audiences in the same way as Robert Downey is in terms of being so highly associated with the character in that way. 
but I, I think he definitely left his mark on Captain America. And that's, that's really cool for a character with so much history and so much, um, relevance to the Marvel, you know, canon. Yeah. Uh, I will say that for me, when he was first announced, I had very little confidence because of Human Torch, because of not another teen movie, because of what I knew him to be for all those years prior to him getting the role. And from the second that he appeared on the screen, it was clear to me that he was the right person. And ever since then, I've been nothing short of impressed by what he has done with the character. And to be honest, at least publicly, how close Chris Evans, the man, is to Steve Rogers, the character. He's a little goofier. (laughs) A little goofier, but he appears to be a very genuine, caring person who would jump on the grenade, you know? And I think whoever hired him saw that before the rest of us did. And he's going to be a tough act to follow. Yeah, man. I I, I really get the impression that he's like a stand-up guy. On your left. On your left. So, in other news, Kieran Gillen is a writer who's been kind of MIA from superhero comics for... A while now, but he is actually making his return, although not to Marvel or DC. He is going to be writing a new comic book called Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. Now, there's something really, really interesting about this character. This is this is going to be for for Dynamite. Uh, this character is a character I guarantee you that none of you are familiar with. The only person who might be is Phil, and I don't think he is. Are you, Phil? Nope. Okay. Nope. Peter Cannon is the character who inspired Watchmen's Ozymandias. Oh shit. Really? He is yeah. He was he was the character from the Charlton Comics line who Alan Moore used as the inspiration for that character. And his yeah. name his name's Peter Cannon? <laughs> his name is Peter Cannon. Yeah, I really that's so weird. Like, yeah, I've read a lot about those characters, and I just don't remember him. No, it's true. Uh, that, that is right. I, I, I hadn't considered that. Because uh, the way you made it sound, specifically made it sound like, like a children's book character. But, yeah, no, that tracks. Um, I don't know anything about that character, though. So he's public domain, because uh, DC acquired the entire Charlton Library in the 80s, or maybe late 70s. Um, they have no, no, no. You're right. It was the '80s because I remember when Alan Moore pitched Watchmen. They had like just acquired. Them. Okay, so yeah, yeah, like Captain Adam and uh, uh, the question. Blue Beetle, you know, uh, the 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 Peacemaker. They were all uh, there. So what happened here? How does character be- Dynamite? You said right, Dynamite Entertainment. Yeah. Uh, so That's really curious. Matt Idelson, who is a senior editor at Dynamite, talked about how this came about. Um, although they didn't get into the question, the specific question you're asking about public domain. Uh, he says, there's a fascinating duality to Peter Cannon. And I've noticed that Kieran has a duality of his own, which really comes across in writing in the writing of this book. There's more going on here than just what's happening on the page. And I'm very excited to see people's responses to the book. Now, Gillen himself did release a statement 
Uh, and he said, I've been away from the genre for a few years. This is me refreshed, grinning, and more than a little bit angry. I want to try things. I want to have fun. Hell, we've created a whole new supporting cast of heroes for this series because we wanted to. I wanted to do a state-of-the-art, state-of-the-superheroic nation, and Peter Cannon Thunderbolt is it. High adventure, big ideals, epic destruction, heroism, despair, and nine panel grids. Yes! <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> oh man, Pete's real real horny for the nine panel grid. Yeah, I've made no bones about that. <laughs> bones indeed. <laughs> So do you think do you think Peter Cannon's actually going to try to enlist uh, Captain Adam and the question and stuff? Try to like lure out Captain Adam uh, to appear in Dynamite Comics? Does change the you know reality of these comics? So uh, one thing, sorry, I'm going to jump in really quick. But oh, Marco's here. This was uh, part of the acquisition back in 2012, where DC gave up the rights to. Uh, characters like the Spirit, Doc Savage, and some other Charleston characters. So I think they've been they've had well, this the character. Spirit and Doc Savage weren't Charleston characters. No, 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 but in in addition to them. Oh, interesting. Okay, that is interesting. Cool. Yeah. Good to know. Well, now I know a thing, a new thing. But uh, Sean, you were about to say. I was going to say that I'm really intrigued by this. The reason why this is here, a because Karen Gillan is uh, a big deal. In comics, but also because I'm I'm dying to see this Peter Cannon character come to life. If he's the character that inspired Ozymandias, I want to know what he was like. What is he like? Uh, we're, What's we're his not, cat like? What? <laughs> well, I didn't hear that. He said. He said. What's his cat like? What's his cat like? Yeah, like <laughs> you know, there, there's there's so much to this and. I get the feeling that this is not that he's not a superhero, right? Like that would make sense. So I mean Ozzy isn't. What what will his what will what will his antagonist be like? I just think there's a lot of meat here and I can't wait to see what they do with this book. Yeah, and I I, I personally like this this really speaks to me because I I definitely have like a serious anthropological interest in in old comics. You know, like I really love reading about like defunct publishers and old characters and stuff like that. And I I definitely appreciate that's something I like about comics in general, that there's that there is like a real reverence for history and that like everything that's old becomes new again. So it, I think it's cool to take this old, obscure, kind of forgotten character and to like try and you know, reimagine him or get to the core about what made him special in the first place. Like, like why, why this guy, why is this the character that we're telling the story with? And maybe it's for no reason. Maybe it's just because let's, let's see if we can make this relevant again. But I'm interested in that sort of thing. You know, I, I, I like to see, I like to see us kind of take a look back while like stepping forward, you know, and, and this sounds like there could be a really interesting avenue for that sort of story. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't have long to wait. It drops in January of 2019. So that's a book that absolutely is on my radar. Uh, So we mentioned Venom a little earlier. And uh, like we said, our review is up. At the time that we actually uh, recorded the review, there was no audience score on Rotten Tomatoes for the film. 
Uh, Ooh, should we guess it? We will. I, 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 I do this, you know. Um, I'm your keeper <laughs> in hell. We, we, we saw the movie on Thursday night. So uh, at the time, the, the score for the critics was a, a, a nasty 29%. That's a pretty rotten tomato. So what I want you guys to do is to guess the audience score for the film. Uh, 78. <laughs> 78. Are you like reading bingo numbers? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with like uh, 88. 88. Okay, Phil. Got to go with that crisp 69. Okay. <laughs> Respect. Uh, well, Pete, uh, you you were very close. Uh, it's actually in 89. Ooh, what? damn, I was real close. Yeah, Shit. that's really, really good. Um, so it's been an interesting disparity so far since the film released because everyone that I've talked to who's seen the movie has liked it. A lot of the commentary that I've seen online has been positive from just strictly fans. Um, the negativity just really appears to be coming from critics. And I'm wondering if that has anything to do with the fact that, A, this movie does not take itself seriously at all. And we're living in a world where so many superhero movies are very serious, even if they're fun and funny, you know. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is a fun movie, but it's a serious movie. Uh, a lot of these movies are that, and this isn't that. Uh, and technically, Venom does a lot of things wrong. They just happen to be done in, in an enjoyable way. So what do you guys think about the disparity there? Well, you know what? I said two years ago that this movie would be trash. I knew from day one that this would be a piece of garbage. And the critics are right All right, all right, all right. Shut up, Phil. Shut up, Phil. We all know that Venom was the greatest superhero movie since Richard Donner's Superman. Okay? We know that. That is fact. So, and I've been saying that for two years. I knew that. You did know that for two years. Right. Insisting upon this movie being excellent. You thought it was going to be the Citizen Kane of superhero movies. There's your poll quote, Sony, from the Sony (laughs) fanboy. But you know what? The critics were right and the audiences were wrong. This movie was trash. (laughs) Uh, In in all seriousness, I think... um, it's funny because this is not this is not all that uncommon. You know, I think a lot of times with big blockbuster movies that don't do well critically, a lot of times you see them have pop a positive audience score. Um, and you know, like I think I think it comes down to the fact that critics have certain expectations for films that moviegoers don't. They look at film in a way that moviegoers don't. Um, you know, I don't think that there's a, maybe, except for maybe the first one, there's probably not one Transformers movie that has positive critical reception, but those movies sell like gangbusters, you know, um, until the last one. And, you know, that was, your mileage may vary. But, uh, I, I think, I, I just don't really think that audiences are looking for anything but entertainment. You know, they want to walk out of a movie and feel like they were entertained for the time that they spent with the movie and they probably won't think about it much beyond that, you know? Whereas if your job is to watch a film 
not only a film, but several films and examine them critically and thoughtfully and talk about cinematography and the logic and, you know, all those sorts of pacing, all that, that kind of stuff. Like you said, Venom does a lot of things wrong. So if you are just trying to look at it objectively as how, what was the quality of this film? You're going to look at it a different way than somebody who went into it with maybe low expectations and then just had fun. Like who? Like me. So are you saying right here on this very podcast (laughs) that you enjoyed Venom? Huh? Marco, do you have a question for Pete, too? He doesn't. Pete, are you saying that you enjoyed Venom? Huh? He asked if you liked Venom. Oh, yeah. I I actually, I thought it was was a fun movie, Marco. No. Cool. Cool. So... Oh, man, there's that crow. Oh, wait, quick. I got to pull him down and eat him. (laughs) You should be eating all the crow right now. I ate a murder of crows on Friday night. We all know this. I honestly am so glad that 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 was the result. As a matter of fact, Phil, we need to get your brother. Listen, (laughs) listen, we've had our differences, but we need to get him here. Because I need him to roast Pete. Bro, I'm not, not doing it. You are doing it. You have to no. do it. You have to do it. And if you don't want to do it and you want to opt out, then guess what? He'll take your spot on that episode of the show and it's going to be worse. <laughs> because it's going to be an entire episode dedicated to shitting on you for your bad takes. My brother, chair, my brother, Babes in vindication. My man <laughs> loves being right. And he will rub it in anyone's face. He's the type of person that even he's wrong, he even if he's wrong, he will double down and find a way to be right still. That's the type of person he is. He took to our Facebook page and he proclaimed that he is the third revelation. <laughs> When he found out that Pete recorded a video exclaiming that my brother was right, my brother had like the dirtiest laughter. Like, (laughs) 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 he felt so vindicated. And it's hilarious because that was two years ago that this all started. You jerk. I'm sorry, I stopped paying attention. What are we talking about? All right. Well, we'll let we'll let Pete off the hook for now. But uh, believe me when I say this. No, this God, why are they making these movies? <sighs> Sony, God, I don't want a black cat movie. I'm Pete and Bessie, the MCU. My Spider-Man! Miles Morales shouldn't exist in the same world! (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, those are things. Yeah, yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. (laughs) Alright, well. I'm sure this is really fun to listen to. Let's talk about something that will unite us now. And that is the most recent trailer for Daredevil Season 3. 
We know that. All right, here we go. I'm back. I'm activated. You turn me on, Shawnee. Let's go. Right. We know that uh, the third season drops October 19th. We will be reviewing that for you guys the following week. So be ready for that. This trailer, this trailer dives deeper into what this season is going to be about. They've opened the floodgates and. I think I speak for all of us when I say that we're nothing short of floored by this. This is one of the best trailers I've ever seen. I don't like I, I often when it's like, oh, what did we think of the trailer? It's a trailer, whatever. <laughs> I'm either already sold on this thing or I'm not. We haven't talked about her. Aquaman yet. Boom. Ha-cha-cha. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, this this trailer got me really excited. Uh, and I think part of it is because I love Daredevil that much, but like, fuck, this was a good trailer. And like, that fucking shot of Fisk in his white suit had me and Phil just like, oh my god, we're breaking out the white suit! And we got Bullseye in the Daredevil costume, like, let's fucking go, boys and girls! This shit looks awesome! This time, I'm out of prison, and I'm dragging the devil of Hell's Kitchen Back to hell where he belongs. Yeah, this is cool, man. Apparently he's <laughs> blind, which means he, in fact, lacks vision. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. Anyway, I'm glad you your liked thoughts it, Marco. on the trailer? Um, well, it was, it was pretty clear at the end of the slog that was the eight episodes of The Defenders <laughs> that season three of Daredevil was going to be in some form an adaptation of the Born Again storyline by Frank Miller. And that is maybe the best Daredevil story ever written. And we see Wilson Fisk, presumably in the trailer... Wilson Fisk uh, is able to identify that Matt Murdock is Daredevil, and he not only ruins Matt Murdock the man to the point where he has nothing left, but he also what appears to be enlists uh, Bullseye to dress up like Daredevil and completely smear the you know uh, public's image of the character, or the vigilante rather, and. That's pretty much the book. That's pretty much the entire book. And I'm super into it. You see his, what looks like his mom, who nursed him back to health and born again. I'm really into it. Like, this show seems like it can do no wrong. And, you know, the reality is Netflix has not been firing on all cylinders with these shows. Uh, Granted, I haven't watched Iron Fist Season 2, but, you know, Jessica Jones Season 2 is a little bit weak. Or Luke Cage. Yeah, we missed those, both of those. Uh, and The Defenders was weak. So, you know, like, our enthusiasm was curved a little bit. That's not a pun. Huh. But this <laughs> this trailer brought me back. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, like, I had the, the thought of, like, this got me excited. I'm like, huh, I wonder if this is good enough. Is that going to inspire me to double back? And check out Iron Fist 2 and Luke Cage 2. And I think it might. And uh, just the other thing. For the future, just so we all, so that we're all clear. In the realm of bad takes on this show, Marco doesn't really care about Born Again Daredevil. And it's an insanely bad take. That's, that's a bad take. That is a bad take. 
Thank you for agreeing. Okay. Acknowledged. All right. <laughs> uh, but this is fun. I it actually got me interested. It's funny. Um, we're we're giving we're giving out books uh, at uh, at Comic Con here, and um, as I was skimming through, and after we had seen the trailer this morning, I came across Born Again, and I pulled, put it from the giveaway pile to the read again pile. Nice. So That's there you a go. Good lad. That's a good. I was gonna lad. say I wouldn't let you give that one away. I'd be like yoink! I will give this to someone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give this to someone who'll appreciate it and cherish it. <laughs> exactly. I think anybody who knows Daredevil knows that he's best when he is, you know, back back against the wall, yeah. uh, you know, on fire, like everything going against him. Just suffering. Yeah, right. Um, and his reactions to dealing with that. This season seems like it's going to push him even further than season two did, which is fantastic. I love Kingpin when he has a significant advantage over his opponents, which he already does because he is rich and powerful and can hire anyone to do a job. But this time, not only can he do those things and does do those things, he obviously has some level of political sway over uh the city with the ability to make daredevil an enemy of the people that is incredible that's great even to get out of jail yeah fuck that's yeah man that's awesome king yeah it is i i'm i'm so with you dude like kingpin is one of my favorite villains in the marvel universe period you know Uh, he's such a fun character and uh, I love what they've done with Fisk in Daredevil. And I'm so glad to see him back as, like, the main threat. You know, like, obviously, I think Bullseye is going to be the primary physical threat. But who's pulling the strings? It's my boy, Big Willie Styles. <laughs> Big <laughs> Willie Styles. Well, he's got to make up for his fuck up in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, where he ruins a collider or something and brings a bunch of different Spider-Men into... This, like, uh, into one reality. He has to make up for it? You're telling me he has to make up for gifting us fucking Spider-Ham as played by John Mulaney? Do you think that was his intention? Because I don't. It's irrelevant if that was his intention. That's what he gave us. That's why he's our president. That's why he's our president. I can't wait for Daredevil Season 3, Sean. Alright, since you guys brought it up, uh, we can talk about the trailer, the second trailer for uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, this was really, really cool, actually. Um, yeah. And the re- speaking of things, I can't wait for. Yeah, the reaction to this trailer has been through the roof. People are so, so excited for this. Uh, Pete, you clearly are as well. So why don't you talk about it? Yeah, man. I, I've I've um, been pro this movie since the first uh, like piece of promotional art that we saw for it. I think the the style of it is really cool. Um, I think this is a great way for for Sony to get a, a Miles Morales movie out there, um, particularly because he tends to. I don't mean this is a dig, but right, like he is, he generally resonates with younger audiences. I think because they've had a lot more exposure to him, um, and to them, like he's just as much Spider Man as Peter Parker for a lot of kids. I think you know, like he's been an Ultimate Spider Man. He was in the video game. You know, he's obviously got a. You know, he's been in all kinds of books, all kinds of all ages series. So I feel like this is a great way to 
not only give us a Miles Morales movie, but give us like a really comic booky movie. You know, like this is something you would never see on the on a, in a live action big screen capacity where we're gonna get you know uh, a universe like a, a a movie that like directly tackles the concept of there being a multiverse and like all of these ridiculous iterations of Spider Man. Like, and it it just seems like it's gonna be a really fun like action comedy, you know, and the beats in this trailer, I thought were really good. And, um, my buddy, uh, AJ from the party nerds, who you guys can see in some of our video game coverage over on the video game pals, uh, YouTube channel, he went to the panel and got to see the first 30 minutes of the film. And, uh, I've seen the sentiments he said echoed a lot, which were that the trailers are great, but they don't actually do the film much justice. And that seeing it in action is even more impressive that once you see how all these you know, moving parts really, you know, come together like in context with one another that it's really impressive. So I, I can't wait for this flick. And I thought this trailer uh, was a great way to to really get me, you know, back amped up for it because I hadn't thought about it in a while, you know, and now it feels a little more imminent. You know, it, it's in December. It's pretty early in the month. So uh, I think this is this is the movie I'm most looking forward to on the horizon. I think that it the the trailer sort of had this through line of like anybody can be Spider-Man. And I think having that juxtaposed with uh, Miles Morales makes that point that much stronger um, that anybody can be Spider-Man. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a cool trailer. I want to, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I want, I want to see this movie. Pals at home. Did you all hear what I just heard? Because what I just heard was Pete and Bessie promote a Sony motion picture. Can we can we stop? Two for two. You're not like the narrative doesn't even make sense. Like I, I like you're not even you're not even digging me. Like make fun of me for saying I didn't like Venom. I never said anything about Sony movies. Get out of here. Uh-huh. Uh I don't know, man. That's mm. a little revisionist. You've kind of shit on. <laughs> I've been pro this movie since they announced it. Well, you this know, movie? you just said that you've never said anything about Sony movies, and that's not true. Listen, I said no to the Sony Spider-Man spin-off movies. Those are that is not this all is, Sony movies. This is a Spider-Man spin-off movie. No, it isn't. Sure it is. No, it's no, it's a Spider-Man movie. But it's a spin-off. Of what? What is it spinning off from? Other oh, Spider-Man movies. No, it sure isn't. So let's move along. <laughs> my man's in denial. <laughs> no, my man wants to be burned for his bad takes, not fake ones. I've made more than enough shit takes for you to give me shit. <laughs> I normally would hate this. Uh, there's a an event going on in the comics called Spider Geddon. Uh, it's well, it's, it's about to start, and it's basically the exact same premise. Um, and I'm not going to read it. I don't care about it. The reason why I'm interested in this is because nothing like this has really been done on screen before. This is something that, you know, you really only get in comics, like Pete said, and wouldn't work in live action for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Or maybe it would, but it'd be very hard to pull off. I think with uh, animation, you can get away with a lot more things. Obviously, budgetary restrictions are different. And um, you can just be a little freer. And I like the fact that for a superhero movie that is an anim- that is animated, they're not restricting themselves. That's kind of cool. And, uh, you know, even though I'm not 
as enthused as most people are, I'm definitely intrigued enough to give this a shot. This was the first trailer that I remember you had like a, a like a positive reaction to. Because you haven't been like against this movie, but I mean, every time we've been excited about it, you're like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm really, if I care about this. And I remember this is the first one that I remember, like, you were just like, yeah, no, this worked for me. And I was like, that's cool. That, like, that, I'm, I'm glad because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely excited to talk about this one. I hope we all walk away from it, um, feeling like it is, is as good as it looks right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they're definitely, doing the right things to appeal to the audience that obviously they're going for. I just wish this movie wasn't coming out in December because uh, I don't want to leave my house in December. So, you know. But uh, let's jump into Marvel's New York Comic Con offerings. And I have have to say, um, at least as of Saturday, they really didn't bring a ton to the table. Um, I, I... it's kind of like last year. I remember when we had our New York Comic Con last year, we were not super impressed with what Marvel had to bring to the table either. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Um, and, and and to be fair, they did definitely have stronger announcements at San Diego Comic Con, so maybe that's just, you know, sort of their con more so. Um, but yeah, they really didn't bring a ton. Uh, they're, they're, they're in flux, I would say, with a lot of things right now. Um they can't talk a lot about what's going on with the X-Men because those events are unfolding. And we already know that Uncanny X-Men is coming, and they can't talk too much about what's coming after that. Uh, but we do know that X-Men is making his return, which is pretty interesting. Um, so we'll see how see where that goes. But again, with that announcement, that's all they said is X-Men is coming. Um, and he looks like Jesus for some reason. White Jesus. Um we 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 don't know anything more than that, so that's kind of unfortunate. We all know Jesus is um, Hispanic. Something mo- I I really wish that that was the name of the book. White X Man colon White Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who are familiar with Jason Aaron's very very long Thor story that's been ongoing for many years, War of the Realms is something that he has teased within the story many times. Uh, And the central idea is just the Ten Realms sort of going against each other um, for supremacy, realm supremacy, kind of think about it like uh, Dragon Ball Z, you know, um, if you watch Dragon Ball Super, they've got like all those different realities warring against each other. This is a similar thing. Um, And I, for one, as a fan of his run on Thor, and I'm actually really excited for this. This is really cool. So uh, they released a little teaser image for it and announced that it's coming in 2019. So, you know, fans of that should be excited. And weirdly, uh, Jane Foster's Thor is going to appear in this. So she's dead, so I'm not sure how that's possible. But Well, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize she had died. Oh, yeah. I think they used the Dragon Ball as a resurrector. Sorry? Yeah. That makes sense. It checks out. I think they used the Dragon Ball as a resurrector. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also announced over the over this weekend is that Captain Marvel is going to be getting a new ongoing series. Uh, and what has people really excited about this is that the creative team is pretty good. So it's Kelly Thompson and artist Carmen Carnero, who actually was just announced by Marvel 
to have signed an exclusive contract with Marvel. So congratulations to her. Um, Life of Captain Marvel just kind of reworked the character in a big way. And now they're trying to push her to the forefront with the movie, obviously, uh, on its way. So uh, Kelly Thompson had this to say about the series. You really want her to be accessible to new and younger audiences who are going to see the movie, fall in love, and want to seek out other Captain Marvel stories. But you really want to respect the fans who have loved the character for decades. I think there's a razor's edge there. So, uh, yeah, not much to say on my part other than uh, I will be reading this. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, they, I mean, this character has so much opportunity to appeal to a wide group of people. And, I mean, this is, this is the way to go. You have a talented creative team. You're going to start from scratch to just in time for this new movie. Um, the, the name of the game is to bring in new readers, right? New fans. And this is the way to do it, I think, in yeah. this regard. Marvel has their ducks in a row when it comes to this stuff. Like they're they're getting ahead of things. They're thinking things through. Um, this is cool. And uh, Sean, it, the the life of Captain Marvel is that like how so did that revamp this and like what is this sort of going to be compared to that? So the life of Captain Marvel is a story that kind of takes place. In the pocket, if you will, like it—it's it, not—it's not an ongoing or anything. It's a limited series run that just redefines Captain Marvel's origin in a way. Um, it, it, it takes it takes her back to her roots. She goes back to Boston, where she's from, uh, which is actually really really annoying because the writer or uh, Margaret Stoll, who did a great job, and, and otherwise chose to give everyone. Bostonian accents and write it out oh, and that's geez. super annoying to read um, but uh, she goes back to Boston and she kind of has to deal with what her childhood was like and the fact that she was able to run away from her childhood but as we know you can never really run away from your life she gets these fantastic powers but has to go back home and deal with the fact that her father wasn't great and that he may have been in love with another woman there's a lot more to that so don't take that as a spoiler. Go read it for yourself. Um, this is springing off of that and kind of taking what Margaret laid down and moving forward with it and kind of laying a clean slate for the movie. Either way, just having to deal with Boston. No one has. No one should have to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the thing that about this that sticks out the most to me is is just that quote from uh, from Kelly where she makes the comment of. You want to ideally create craft a story that is appealing to new fans while also honoring the history of the character and people who have who have been with her for a long time, uh, which is I think obviously the best foot forward for any new series about an established character. But uh, I think if you read a little bit further on in the article that we're that we're referencing here, uh, they mentioned their intention to like bring back Spider-Woman who has been portrayed as like her best friend for a long time and kind of play up her relationship with uh, Tony Stark, you know, which obviously was explored a bit in Civil War II as well. So, um, yes, that masterpiece. Right. Uh, but yeah, like they pointed out that like, you know, 
she's going to have a new love interest who's an old character from her past and everything like that. So it seems like they're doing their due diligence in trying to tie it back into the history of, of Miss Marvel um, while bringing that to the forefront for Captain Marvel, you know, and, and I think like ideally, right, like taking the things that are important and, and, you know, trimming some of the fat which it seems like that's kind of what they're trying to do here. You know, like you said, uh, they kind of recontextualize her origin. They're building off that. Like, it seems like they want this to be a, a great, you know, like like a soft reboot, like a great place for you to jump on if you don't know the character, but something that you can just pick up and understand and feel comfortable with if you are someone who's a fan. And um, she, I think she's right that that's a razor razor's edge, but if, if you can nail it, um, you know, that's, I think that should probably be the goal, right, with any series like this. Yeah, and I, I should say that uh, her relationship with Iron Man is very different now. Uh, they're actually friends again, which is weird, but that's where they're at. So, there you go. <laughs> Sorry about the whole second Civil War thing, Robert E. Lee. You want to be friends? Sure, <laughs> Ulysses Simpson Grant. Sounds chill. Right. She put him in a coma. No big deal. Uh, so, (laughs) (laughs) MBD, hags. Okay. So, uh, Marvel also announced a sequel to Avengers No Surrender. That was a weekly event that they did, uh, last year, I believe. Um, and they're going to do it again, which means that, uh, you can expect more of the same crazy, over-the-top storytelling this time around. Uh, Jim Zub basically said as much at the Marvel Next Big Thing panel. He said, we're telling the biggest, craziest Avengers story we can again. I love that he added again because it's like, hey, yeah, we just did this. Let's just do it again. Um, That's like Marvel's strategy these days. Sure. Tom Brevoort also said that there will be a return Within the book, that's on par with The Return of the Hulk. Uh, So, No Surrender is probably most famous for the resurrection of the Hulk. And he is alluding to that by saying, we'll get something equally big this time around. And that's interesting because I really don't know who he could be talking about. Uh, I mean, Black Widow is dead as of Secret Empire. But other than her, I don't know who they bring back. Is Wolverine still dead? No, Wolverine is yeah. back. Hmm. Jane. Oh, that's right. So it's gonna be Jane Thor. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I guess that would make sense, right? Huh. We shall see. I guess. Yeah, that could happen. Um, but honestly, that's it for the Marvel, the big sort of Marvel announcements. Um, there really just wasn't much. And it's disappointing as a as a fan of theirs. I mean, I'm I am on record as being more of a fan of Marvel than DC, but they just didn't bring it. So it is what it is. Yeah, it's weird, man. Like it, it really feels like Marvel has moved away from Comic Con over the last couple of years. You know, like I I remember they made headlines a couple of years ago when they're like, "Well, we're not going to really have a presence." Uh, presence, Jesus, it's late. <laughs> a presence at San Diego. And um, I feel like they've never really come back after that. Like, they have a presence at these conventions, but they're just not bringing the heat, you know? Like, I I don't know. Like, I feel like 
you hear about the biggest Marvel announcements in like a New York Times article, not at Comic-Con. Yeah, Marvel's on Marvel time. They do things when they want to. And which is like I get that. I I I think that's smart in a lot of ways, but I don't know, man. Like I get you're fighting for the oxygen at an event like Comic-Con, but like Marvel would be the event at a Comic-Con. Right, exactly. Especially in New York. Like, in San Diego. That's their backyard. Right. And, like, San Diego has all the Hollywood shit. So, like, I get not wanting to maybe go there. But it's, like, at New York, like, there's not usually a lot of huge, like, bombshell announcements that don't come from, like, the big two when it comes to comic shit. You know? Like, so, I don't know. I, I just, I don't get it. Like, I don't get why... That's been their strategy, but I, I, you're definitely right, Sean. It's just like they want to do their own thing. They want to blaze their own trail, and like in this era, I think for a lot of people that makes sense. But I don't, I don't know why you don't just do both. Own the week when you want to own the week, but have something to show us at Comic Con. You know, give us, give us something. Yeah, I'm very disappointed, frankly, because I was really hoping for a Civil War three announcement. <laughs> you're lucky I'm not there right now. Uh, <laughs> it would be Civil War three. It, w- it would be Civil War three. So, uh, in other news, this is actually really huge, and I don't know if the largeness of it is being talked about enough. But uh, John Cassidy and Mark Wade are teaming up to lead the charge of a brand new superhero imprint. Over at Humanoids, which is a, uh, a publisher of science fiction and fantasy graphic novels. Um, they're partnering with those two big-time creators to launch H1, which is going to be the imprint of shared super-powered characters um, that uh, Cassidy and, and Wade have assembled a crack team of creators to work with on this project, um, including... Yannick Paquette, who we interviewed, yeah. Phil interviewed, this year at uh, New York Comic Con. Hell fucking yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of mentioned that uh, to me uh, either yesterday or today. It's really cool. I really get excited for kind of more creator-driven kind of projects like this. And uh, I have a lot of respect for Mark Wade. Um, so I'm really curious how it turns out. Yeah, and especially within like the Humanoids Playground, um, I think that'll be really cool because they have a lot to offer just in terms of the the way they uh, provide storytelling um, and, and the way that they give sort of uh, more an, a more underground approach to a lot of their comics um, so th- this is this is pretty cool like to see them enter into this sort of genre of uh, of the medium yeah I'm always down for stuff like this you know uh, I I really love you know, like we got a kind of similar announcement a couple of weeks ago with Gail Simone and, um, you know, I, I kind of expressed the same thing where I, I like stuff like this. I like getting to see um, there be a different show in town, you know, like nothing, there's nothing wrong with, with Marvel and DC, um, you know, and their superhero stories, but they, you know, there, there are certain things that you're not going to get from them, you know, and seeing another, that's what, why Invincible spoke to me, right? Is like, I like superhero stories, but they get predictable after a certain amount of time, you know, and you want to kind of see things, 
maybe go in a different direction. And I think like getting top tier talent in a universe where there's no expectation, Mm -hmm. there's no history, there's no legacy, there's no fans that are going to be upset. It's just, what's the story we want to tell? There's, there's a lot of potential there for greatness. The ultimate universe. Right. Exactly. Right. Like those experiments, uh, have often yielded really interesting stories. Um, so I, you know, I, I think like to Phil's point, uh, the talent here, right? Like Mark Wade is a guy I have a lot of respect for and, uh, and Yannick's a great artist. So, you know, I, I think, um, I'm excited to see what comes of this, you know, who's to say if it's, if it's going to be a hit, I think things like this usually aren't, but you know, maybe this is the one, right? Maybe this is the next Valiant or something like that, where they will etch out a niche for themselves and, and maybe we get some new fresh blood in the genre, which is always a good thing. More competition is always a good thing. And uh, definitely check out our YouTube interview with Yannick Paquette, second year in a row. We talk about Wonder Woman, Earth One, Volume Two. Hell yeah. So uh, if I can move on, uh, H1 is actually going to be launching in the summer. And we have a couple of previews for some of these books. Um, so one of them is called Ignited, uh, and the the uh, synopsis they're going with is something strange is happening to the planet. Nature itself is reshaping and redefining the balance of power. Natural disasters are breaking out everywhere, and yet the population continues to grow rapidly. In fact, the world is becoming so dense that certain individuals are erupting with super, super abilities. They are called the Ignited. So that's one of the books that they've got coming out July 2019. The next is... That's a really cool name. Yeah. The next is Omni, a gifted doctor with a vibrant, compassionate personality. Cecilia Cobina received boundless praise from her peers and her patients. But that was before the incident in Africa, before she gained the ability to think faster than the speed of light. Overwhelmed with the power to answer every question, she must now overcome her own fears and tackle the one code she can't seem to break, the truth behind the ignited. That sounds really cool. I really like uh, cerebral superhero stories. You know, and I think like somebody whose power is just like thinking exceptionally well is like, Again, there's there's room for innovation there, and like that's that's exciting, and I, I like that connection to that other title is an interesting one as well. Well, the, this is shared universe, so all of these. No, are yeah, that's be, what I mean. Yeah. Like, I, I like that those two stories directly interact in that way, and like if they're both good, it'll be cool to see how the interplay develops. Yeah, you know. And then the last one is Strange Lands. Opposites attract. Elakshi and Adam Land aren't married. In fact, a month ago, they were perfect strangers, dwelling in lands foreign to one another. But now, they're forced to remain by one another's side, for their separation could mean the planet's demise. Now, their greatest challenge is to stay together, even if they have to tear the world apart. Very interesting. Yeah, I... that's That's just a cool premise, too. Yeah. Good elevator pitch. We have to stay together for the kids. (laughs) Do it for the kids. So, uh, moving over to the DC side of things, they dropped an extended look at Aquaman. Now, this is a five-minute beast of a trailer. And I'm very, very curious as to what you guys thought about this one. It's all right. 
<laughs> That's my hot take. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I, there's there's a couple moments in it that were that were really cool. Um, I, I continue to be impressed by how Atlantis looks. I think like the architecture of Atlantis is really neat. Um, Black Manta. Yeah, Black Manta Black looks Manta. fucking incredible. Um, I honestly think that like that's one of the best realizations of a supervillain I feel like we've ever seen. Like visually, like he looks fucking rad and like intimidating as fuck. And uh, I'm I'm into that. Um, it was really cool to get to see Jason Momoa like don the you know the orange and green. That was cool. Like there's good moments in it. I, I you know, but. I, I'm not crazy about uh, this interpretation of Aquaman. You know, like the the moments where he just kind of seems like um, whoa, that's badass. Like yeah, like a mimbo. <laughs> you know, like he's just like a like a big muscle headed idiot. And you know, may, maybe these are just moments that are played up for comedy in the tra- you know what I mean? Like who knows what it'll actually be like? But he was also kind of like that in Justice League, and I wasn't crazy about it. I like Jason Momoa, but I'm not super jazzed on Aquaman's personality. It's also an Aquaman personality that they play up a lot. Like, uh, I think they did that for like the brave and the bold. Um, they kind of made him this, uh, heroic, outrageous, brash and, uh, sort of doofy character who, you know, sort of acts first and then kind of thinks. And, uh, that's not a sort of portrayal that, I think fits the character very well. Uh, it, it sort of makes him, you know, it, it it takes away from his status. He's supposed to be a king, you know. He's supposed to be um, well informed. He's supposed to be, you know, managing his empire essentially. But he's this dude who's going around uh, making cheesy jokes and like, uh, it, it's not a good. It's not a good look for him. Um. Yeah, I've, I I I didn't expect to see Roman Reigns change his armor. He went from a shield vest to the orange and green scale mail, and uh, didn't expect that. Um, I really like the Brave and the Bold Aquaman. He's what? freaking awesome. He's very he's very good. Yeah, what about um, this trailer though? I was getting there. Were you? Uh, as for this trailer, Pete pretty much summarized how I feel. Um, I thought it looked good at times and it looked okay at times. And uh, I kind of rolled my eyes at uh, Roman Reigns a few times. But you know what? I'm going to stay true to myself here. It could be good. I will say I really like that panoramic shot that they showed us. That action sequence I thought was really cool. So... It, there, there's, there's definitely promise here. Mara looks fantastic. Yeah, she continues to look really good. Like her costume is on point. Her hair looks fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, into that for sure. Sean, what did you think of Mara? Why, thank you for asking. I thought this was fantastic. Uh, I am very into this movie. Um, the sequence, the, the sequence of Amber Heard, Mera and, uh, and, uh, Aquaman running from Black Manta and his squad and that whole long shot of them running over the, across those buildings was right, crazy. Yeah. 
And oh, that was cool, yeah. Completely, uh, like, you guys, you know, like, no sold that. That shit was epic. Um, that was what I meant I, by the I know what you meant. Thing. I know what you meant. I'm just saying, like, you guys didn't seem to really, like, be that into it. That was mind-blowing. Like, that's stuff we don't really get to see in these movies. That kind of that kind of action. Um, and I, and I, I can't wait to see that play out on the screen. Um that this is so cool. Black Manta is is like he looks better than anyone I've ever seen. Any of these comic book characters, he looks better than all of them in terms of accuracy. Just completely blown away by how he looks. Um, they there was a slower scene where you know you kind of see Aquaman and Mera um, trying to figure out some secret to Atlantis. That was a little in, that was a little weird. Um, they were in a desert. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, Sean, do you think that's actually going to be a scene from that Superman cover where he's holding a glass of water in front of Aquaman and Jimmy Olsen and basically saying, only one of you is going to get this glass of water? <laughs> when, 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 when they showed them in the desert, that was exactly where my mind went. It's just like, is Superman? Well, I mean, actually, never mind. Jimmy Olsen's already dead in the uh, DCEU, so can't happen. We know Aquaman survives. Damn, spoilers. <laughs> I actually really would love that. That'd be great. <laughs> I would I would also love Maybe that. Maybe that was one of those Henry Cavill cameos that he was like not trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think it's true to the character. And then seeing Aquaman in the classic costume, just again, an incredible moment that uh for me, as a as a, a more recent fan of Aquaman, is just like I'm blown away, and I can't wait to see him in action with that costume. I just I don't know. I I think this movie is gonna is gonna really surprise people. I really do. This very much seems like it is adapted from Jeff Johns' Aquaman run from the yeah. from the New Fifty Two, yeah, which ran I think twenty one issues. Uh, so if you were really interested in this trailer, I think you should give that a read because it's pretty good. Yeah, I, re- I read quite a bit of it, actually. Sean, I'm so excited for this movie to come out because it's going to be like, like, like if it's really great, this is like one that you called so fucking long ago. Like you've been like high on this for a long time and I'm really interested to see like how you end up feeling about it and like what the general reaction is to it because like. I'm I'm totally prepared for this to blow me away because I kind of felt this way about Wonder Woman going into it where I was like, I don't know, like nothing has really sold me on it yet. And, you know, parts of it look good, but I'm not sure. And I, I feel like it could totally be the same takeaway for this one. So. Do, do you know what's messed up, though? This will be the second movie that was a complete Jeff Johns overseen project, Wonder Woman being the first, because Justice League was kind of from the previous guard. Right, yeah, but, that was him kind of turning the ship. But subsequently, everything is, has been reshuffled anyway. Yeah. So, regardless of the quality of Aquaman, which, like I said, seems like it will be, uh, you know, like it, it seems like it could be good, and it, it is the second Jeff Johns overseen movie, it doesn't matter. How good it is, how much money it makes. Jeff Johns has no super oversight of any of the projects going forward after this, like he did those two movies. Yeah, and it'll be funny because if this is really good, it'll just prove that that was a mistake. Yeah. Well, uh, if yeah, if it's great, then it it speaks well for Jeff. But if it's not, 
that uh, that might not be so good for him. Uh, either DC can be upset while he goes and starts making movies for other people. Either way, I I really can't wait to see this movie. It drops December. Well, December 21st, but that's not... Is that accurate? Yeah, it is. It is. December 21st. So, uh, I will be in line for that one. Freezing my ass off. Thanks a lot for these December movies. Uh, So, shifting over to the DC Universe streaming app, we've got the Harley Quinn animated series trailer. It's really short. It's just 53 seconds, and it really doesn't showcase too much. I think it was more just something to get out there for people uh, to get a feel for what it's going to be like. And uh, I was surprised. I was surprised. What would you guys think? Um, I thought it was a good way to pitch this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I, this – I'm not particularly interested in this show, but I thought it was a really like cute ad. You know, like I, I like – uh, and I've expressed this about Deadpool's marketing. I like marketing that's not here's a bunch of clips from the thing. You know, I, I like um, stuff that's a little bit more like this is its own piece of content to tease out the show. You know, and like it's very meta. There's a lot of in jokes. Yeah. It's, it's very like self referential and um, kind of like wink, wink, nod, nod. But um, yeah, I think this looks like a like a quality piece of content for, for the DC streaming service. Like I think there's a lot of Harley Quinn fans out there. And if this is like a, you know, silly R rated adult animated kind of show, like I definitely think there are people who are going to want to show up for that. And I think also for this, uh, they're trying to make Harley like that meta Deadpool character. Uh, they straight up name drop Deadpool. Yeah. (laughs) And that to me was a little, just weird character wise it, it she's i guess has been becoming that in recent uh in recent years and sort of the way that they've been popularizing her but um this is at least for me the first time that she's been or that i've seen her be that kind of that referential and that sort of meta in 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 her portrayal yeah yeah i, I guess i could see that yes cool and moving on i i really liked it i i actually really really love this um this is the first thing that's come out that made me wish i had the dc streaming app because even though i'm not a particularly large harley quinn fan or anything like that this is different and i like the fact that they're not pulling punches uh that's cool to me i i like the fact that they're taking risks when you talk about the differences between DC and Marvel, I think one of the things that that uh, is clear to me, at least on screen, is that DC, for better or worse, it doesn't matter if you think it's good or not, they're willing to try things out. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, the F Batman thing kind of backfired within certain circles, but within others it didn't. And that might work out for them, but it might not. But at least they tried something. And I feel the same way with this, but I think this is more, if I had to guess, and I haven't really checked for the reactions, but if I had to guess, this is probably more widely accepted. And I think this is going to be good. This has a clear audience. Harley Quinn is massive. People will watch this regardless. Yeah. Yeah. And I I did want to just point out, I liked that, um, 
I felt like it had heat a little bit. Like, I like that they kind of made a dig at Marvel, but I also like that they made fun of themselves. Yeah. You know, the whole dark and edgy comment, and then, like, Holly Quinn's like, and that's a perfectly great way to make movies and television. But, and it's like, it was just funny. You know, like, I, I, I like seeing them, I don't know, kind of like, like you said, like, they're willing to take risks, and they're also not, like, too proud to, like, make fun of themselves a little bit, and, like, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say, though, that I, I guess I was a little surprised that DC didn't have more to offer from the DC streaming app here at New York Comic Con. Again, it's one of those situations where, you know, they sort of dropped it and it's out and the first wave of stuff is coming, but it's not here but we know enough about it that there's not a lot more to say. Like for Titans, they didn't really say too much. There's not there's not much to talk about. I know they showed some footage. That's cool. Um, I know they announced that there was going to be a season two. Fine. Uh, if it's good. But other than that, you know, they didn't talk about Swamp Thing, really. Uh, they didn't talk about much beyond this. And for Harley Quinn, all we got was a 56-second clip. So I wish there was more. But... Beyond the streaming service and going into the comics, DC definitely had quite a bit to talk about. Um, I want to I want to start with the Jeff Johns spotlight panel. Uh, it's funny because when we did this uh, at when we did this for San Diego, and when we did this for last year's New York Comic Con, he's been talking about the exact same projects, pretty much. It's Three Jokers, it's Doomsday Clock, and it's Shazam. So the only real difference between this time and San Diego is that we actually got more uh, imagery to check out from, uh, from Three Jokers, and it looks incredible. Uh, Jason Fabok is an is a phenomenal artist, and you can tell that he's been bringing his A game with this title. He's had his time. It's a it's a, a black label book, so you know how that works. There's more space there, um, and it looks great. Uh, that, Do you think we'll see all three Joker's dicks? <laughs> oh God, that'd be sad. that would be really rough. Um, both Batman and uh, Batgirl are in their sort of classic costumes, but seeing those costumes drawn by Jason is amazing, and uh, I-, I can't wait for this series. I wish Je- I wish Jeff had said more. He doesn't say much about it, but what we got to see looks awesome. How many issues is it going to be? I don't know. I'm not sure if we know well, that. Either way, I'm into it as well. Uh, I know some people are down on the concept, but if there's one thing Jeff has proved to us in the last calendar year, maybe don't judge a book by its cover. A lot of people were down on Doomsday Clock, and it's been one of the best books of 2018. So I'm interested. I'm 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 curious to see more. Yeah, dude. Um, I I exactly echo your your sentiment there, Phil. Uh, I I think the whole three Jokers thing is kind of like. It gives me pause, but uh, in my mind, um, w- because of Doomsday Clock, Jeff Johns has earned enough rope to hang himself in the rest of DC in my mind. You know, like I'm willing to give this dude 
a shot at whatever fucking cockamamie idea he's got because I was so convinced I didn't want Doomsday Clock and I was wrong. So prove me wrong again. I love when Pete has to say he was wrong. <laughs> I mean, it happens so infrequently, Often. you know? Like, yeah, I don't know. Twice in one episode. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I actually really don't like the whole three jokers thing and i haven't for whatever it's been three years four years since the first since they revealed this so sorry i said yeah like the three years ago when they revealed this right uh i i just haven't cared about it and i thought it was silly but that me not caring about the concept or premise me thinking it's it's ridiculous has nothing to do with what I think the quality will be like. I don't ever, and I haven't for 10 years, will I ever question what Jeff Johns is doing. It is what it is. It's going to be good. That's what he does. Uh, I don't think he's, I can't think of a thing I've read of his that I thought was bad. So with that, uh, I'm all in regardless. The dude delivers. Some people don't like his Batman Earth one. Oh, I haven't. You know what? I got to be honest. I haven't read that. I haven't either, but that's a kind of divisive one. Yeah, I got to read that. Okay, but what? So one? And also, that's him trying to kind of reinvent, uh, you know, really well-established wheel there. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's a legitimate concern. But I... I no, I, I mean, that's just, that's just the criticism of that book is what I'm saying. Right. I, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I think what Sean's saying is salient here. It's like, Jeff Johns has more than earned our trust and... Regardless of how you feel about the pitch, like let's wait and see what he does because it, as much as I hate to say it, it could be good. <laughs> yes, look at this. I'm rubbing off on him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Soon you'll all be like me. We we also got something from Doomsday Clock. Now there wasn't much discussion about Doomsday Clock. It's you know it's it's ongoing, and uh, we understand that they're not going to spoil anything for what's coming. Of course, right? Yeah, I don't even want that. <laughs> no, not at all. But we did get a couple of images. We got a, an alternative cover for I believe it's Doomsday Clock number ten uh, that showcases uh, Doctor Manhattan on Mars with his hand out and. The costumes for several heroes, just bare the co- just the costumes sort of falling down with the heroes themselves not present at all. Like he removed them from reality. I guess is the idea. Uh, it's a really, really, really great looking cover. Uh, but there's another cover that I actually am way more interested in. It is it's a kid, a child reading a comic book. And it's called All-Star Comics. And the the cover is the Justice Society of America sitting at a round table with Dr. Manhattan. Ooh, interesting. Oh. I, I've been talking about that in a few of our reviews about how it's clear that there's something building toward the JSA. Yeah. Jeff loves... The JSA, perhaps his most celebrated and best run ever, was his run in the Justice Society of America. Uh, I I I don't know how Doctor Manhattan's going to tie into that, but that that 
that visual is very interesting and very intriguing. And I need to know more. As do I, man. Uh, and I can't wait. And with with Jeff, you know, even though he's been talking about the same three books, uh, and there there are there is Shazam art, which also looks really good, but it's not uh, it's not even colored, so that's still a ways out. Um, even though we didn't get much, every morsel is tantalizing. You know, the cover for Doomsday Clock. It's like, oh my god, what does that mean? You know, it's so exciting what he's up to. It's like, I kind of like that, though. Like, I like that he's at a place in his career where it's like, he is, he's a big deal. He's got his hands in a lot of pots. He's obviously very busy. And he's got enough clout that he can just do the projects he's really passionate about and that he has a really clear vision for. And like, yeah, it takes him a long time. But if all of these books are as good as Doomsday Clock, who gives a shit? You know, like if you're talking about what could be an all-time great story, an all-time great run. I don't care how fucking long it takes. Like, just give me the goods, man. Keep delivering. Yeah, ultimately, with something that obviously comes out monthly, what we will all ultimately remember is the finished product. Yeah. And mm. I don't need the instant gratification of something coming out now because that's just – it's a big picture thing. Yeah, Exactly. And, like, I don't know, man, like, uh, waiting's part of the fun, you know? Like, getting these little morsels, these little teases, like, that's exciting. And it's going to make the, like, when the end product is satisfying, it makes the wait worth it, you know? So, I have actually, I'm pretty sure this is true, uh, never enjoyed a book that came out weekly. And really dislike the uh, bi-monthly, and in this case, I mean like twice a month. Uh, I, I really dislike that shipping schedule. Uh, I'm a fan of the way things used to be when it was going to be a month at least before you got your book because that in-between time when you're, when you're waiting for me uh, is always speculation. It's always you know, desperation in some cases. I need this, you know? And I don't think you build that that relationship with the book if you don't have to wait for it, you know? Um, absence makes, makes the heart grow fonder. The more you have something, the less you care about it. I care more about books when I have to wait for them than when I don't. It's just the way it works for me, so. Yeah, dude, like the fact that Doomsday Clock has been every two to three months has made it, when there is a new issue, I'm more excited it's about an it. event. You know, it, it's an event. Yeah, exactly. It's a thing I've been waiting for. And as soon as, like, almost every time that it comes out, like, I'm, I read it as soon as I can, you know? And, uh, I, I'm just always waiting for the next, the next thread. Joke's on you, Alan Moore. You cast a spell to try to spite, you know, Gary Frank and Jeff Johns by making the shipments delayed by a month or two. But if, the only thing you accomplish is making fans anticipate each issue further. That's right. So, uh, there was a Meet the Publishers panel that DC put on, of course, that would include Jim Lee and Dan Didio. Uh, and they talked about the state of DC Comics right now. And one of the things that they acknowledged that I thought was interesting uh, is that 
they feel, uh, this is according to Didio, that they have one of the best talent lineups we've ever assembled. In reference to Kelly Sudeconic on Aquaman, G. Willow Wilson on Wonder Woman, Grant on Green Lantern, obviously Tom King on Batman, Scott Snyder on Superman, or, I'm sorry, uh, Justice League, and Bendis on Superman. Um, We talked about that on this show, that I can't think of a better creative ensemble than that ever. Stacked. It's just, it's literally nothing but heavy hitters, you know? Yeah, like that's yeah. It's it's fucking incredible that they were able to lock all these people down like that. They have like, have like every major comic book writer of the last fifteen years on every Justice League character. Not to mention Steve Orlando is doing Martian Manhunter, right? And I'm glad you brought that up because that is something that we we very well may be talking about alongside the rest of these books when it actually drops. Yeah, exactly. We've talked about the potential of that book. Um, this is... this is, uh, You know what it is? DC has their own Justice League of writers. <laughs> they do. They absolutely do. And it's it's incredible. Uh, and, and I don't think you can say enough about this space that DC is in right now when you think about it. And, you know, they talked about it a lot at this panel. And you can... Check out for yourself one of the breakdowns if you'd like to. We'll have a link to one. Um, the fact that they're they're hitting everywhere they can. They they're in Walmart right now. Uh, I believe it was Didio that made the point that there there is a Walmart for every comic book store that exists. There's a Walmart one to one. That's crazy. Yeah, dude. I I really think over the last couple of years, like. It's been really wild to watch how much the balance has shifted in DC's favor when it comes to books since I got in this industry. You know, uh, like, I feel like they just, they, they're in a spot right now where it feels like they can do no wrong. Like, I really feel like they're firing on all, on all cylinders. They have the strongest lineup they've ever had. They have these great little, like, smaller imprints, you know? They're cultivating good new talent. They're leveraging... Yeah, not to mention, they just brought Neil Gaiman back to do more Sandman stuff. Right, like, and, like, you know, the Young Animal stuff over the last couple years, the stuff they've done with Hanna-Barbera, like, just, they're killing it, man. They're running the game right now. The stuff they're doing in the the YA space, like, I, I feel like they're just making all the right moves, in terms of, hey, you know how we're going to sell con- co- like comics? By making the best comics available. Um, and that's, you know, <laughs> like, it, it, I really don't think it can be understated how well they have stacked the deck in their favor right now. Across the fucking board, you know? And, like, it looks like they've even, like, kind of, like, future-proofed themselves in terms of, like, right, like... Young Animal is a success, a success for them. They It seems like Gerard Way is a little burnt out and he needs a break. Okay, cool. Young Animal's going away for a while. Sandman and Neil Gaiman are going to come back and take that spot. And when that's done, I bet Young Animal Volume 2 stuff comes out. You know, like, it just... I don't know. I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see how long they can keep this momentum going in their favor. And what we think about this era in three, five, ten years? Like, do we look at back on this as, like, a golden age of DC? 
you know? And I, I, I bet dollars of donuts that we do. Yeah. Uh, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that, uh, right now they're playing their cards, right? Hopefully they can continue this momentum. And I would love to see, uh, Marvel step up to the plate and try to do what DC is doing, but in a way that people recognize, um, Mr. Hickman, will you please come back? <laughs> now, you you mentioned uh, the, the, the pop-up imprints, and you mentioned the future-proofing. The biggest announcement by far, so far, at New York Comic Con, it's, it's Saturday, so it's likely that we've reached the pinnacle of announcements, but maybe we haven't. But as of now... The biggest announcement is that Brian Michael Bendis is launching his own pop-up imprint called Wonder Comics. Now, the reason why this is so huge is because it's bringing back Young Justice, which got people into a frenzy because it's going to include Connor Kent, which is massive for obvious reasons, Um uh, Bart Allen is going to also be involved, and Tim Drake will be involved back in the Robin costume, not the Red Robin costume, the regular old nice. Robin costume. So on top of that, he's also bringing back the Wonder Twins. What? Whoa, that's yeah. cool. What the fuck? That sounds like Bendis. Nice, dude. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Uh, and so... People are excited to see what Bendis is going to do with all of these characters. And he's not the only creator that's involved in this whole thing. Um, well, I should hope so. Sorry? <laughs> I should hope so. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, there's there's a slate of creators that are going to be working with him on these books. Um, he's, he's also bringing back Dial H for Hero. Uh, that's going to be written by Sam Humphreys and uh, with art oh, by Joe. Oh, Corona. nice! Yeah, that could be really good. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so uh, he's curating it. Obviously, very similar to the other uh, imprints that DC has. Uh, he's going to be curating it, but there will be other creators involved. Obviously, I'm sure he will write some of these, but um, oh, well, other, can't have everything. Other people will do quite a bit of the work here. Uh, that's. That's that's incredible, honestly it is, and we've we've talked a lot about the negativity surrounding Bendis's arrival at DC, just in terms of quality. Yep, but sure have for good reason. <laughs> sure, be that as it may, though, Bendis has the the ability to build hype. Bendis has the ability to do things that make people care about what he's involved with. And that's what you want. And clearly, clearly, Marvel was not offering Bendis the the opportunities to make people excited. And you look at the announcement, he took over New York Comic Con with this announcement. This is amazing. Yeah, that, that's like the big takeaway, actually. It's just Warner Brother uh, or DC, uh, rather, uh, is very good at just kind of you know, b- building this positive relationship with its writers. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I would say it's talent. Yeah. Yeah, right. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think you're totally right, man. And uh, to your point, Sean, yeah, I mean, I, I think they must see that, right? The the ability for Bendis to just generate attention, you know, um, regardless of your feelings on the man. Uh, People like shit? <laughs> sure, Phil. No, uh, what I was going to say is that the, the guy's a controversial figure, but there's heat, right? You love him or you hate him. And either way, that makes you pay attention. We're talking about it. Just because we're being made to. <laughs> okay, Phil. Uh, but but no, I I think that when you when we're looking at DC right now, uh, the the most important thing to acknowledge is that they're doing things that are currying favor with literally everyone they could be. Uh, legacy fans are happy because they're doing things with legacy characters that people seem to enjoy. Uh, younger fans are happy. People love Tim Drake. Right. They love Connor Kent. Yes. Bart Allen. So, I mean, people have been clamoring for this for eight years. Man, I love the Wonder Twins. There you go. I didn't even know the Wonder Twins were comic book characters. They weren't, really. No, they, they, weren't. Meant they were originated in Super Friends. I think they've been in... A few. like, But like a handful. Like I think their canonical DC like comics ex- um, appearances could be counted on two hands. There you go. So that's pretty cool. Uh, if you're a fan of... Like if you're a fan of 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 sort of off off the beaten path characters, you've got uh, Gerard Way's imprint, Young Animal. Uh, if you're a kid, you've got Young Justice. You've got the DC. What's it called? Zoom. The the six to twelve imprint yeah. that they have. And then they've also got like the Looney Tunes comics. Right. We do. Barbara. Yeah. If you if you don't necessarily know about DC. You've got the Walmart books that you can pick up. If you're a bookstore goer, you've got books starring these characters. They're hitting you every way they possibly can. If you don't like superheroes, they've got Flintstones and Snagglepuss. Right, and I think that that approach is an approach that makes sense in modern in, in, in modern comics. Modern comics is is a is a is a multi-purpose, multifunctional um, beast. And DC has – I'm not going to say they've mastered it because it remains to be seen. But so far, they have the right ideas, I think. Marco, uh, what do you think about their approach right now? Uh, I've mentioned in the past I think it's uh, a really smart approach just because they're hitting all their bases. Um, and they're hitting all those sort of people that wouldn't necessarily – like me specifically that wouldn't otherwise be activated for a lot of this stuff. Like I clamor for anything Vertigo, for anything – Young animal for anything, uh, superhero. for anything superhero. <laughs> uh, I was actually going to ask how many imprints is he now running? Bendis. That, that was my question because what didn't they already announce he was doing two before this? Because I know there's the Jinx World stuff, which is, which is his right. creator owned stuff, right? And then wasn't he doing another one where he was going to be like not writing, but he was running it and like picking young talent and stuff like that? Wasn't that a thing? Oh, but that that hasn't. Uh that 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 has a material right, right. Like it's not a thing yet, but they announced that he has he he will he will have three separate yeah situations. The That's fucking world, wild. This one and that, yeah. 
Well, you know what? If it makes him write less, then I can't complain. <laughs> well, uh, that's not going to happen because he's he's writing two Superman comics. He's writing a Batman comic for Walmart. He's writing Scarlet Pearl cover. He's writing uh, Young Justice. That's seven books. Jesus. And that's the books God. that we know about. That's what's announced. We can't have nice things sometimes. I understand. <laughs> but... I, I do I do wish my dude would slow down. Um but hey, I get it. He's excited. So you know, we'll see where this stuff goes ultimately. Uh I, I think like <laughs> if my experience with Man of Steel has shown me anything, it's that <laughs> Bendis is peaks and valleys. <laughs> so Mostly valleys. Mostly valleys on that run. So but that was a weekly book. There's a lot of explanations for why that could have been bad. I know Sean you've you've spoke pretty highly of some of the the Superman stuff we haven't talked about it recently. But. I've heard it's terrible. I I really liked what I've I really like what I've read. Not to be like flippant by you saying that, Phil, but like saying that you've heard it's terrible means that you went on the internet. Like people say that Tom King's writing is terrible all the time. Yeah, but a lot of people really like Tom King on the internet. But so. a lot of people really like Brian Michael Bendis. I've seen that be. universally trashed. Oh yeah, but okay, then why are they buying his books? Because people like trash. Okay, but people like. Trash. Right, but they like it. Trash. But they like it. Yes. They like right. Transformers movies. That's just people. I'm saying I think there are a lot more people who like to bitch about Brian Michael Bendis, like, than, like, or I guess I should say, there's an equal number of people who silently enjoy Brian Michael Bendis and don't go on message boards and don't talk shit about comic books on the internet because they don't care that much. They show up and buy the book and then they shut up about it. And, like, that's true. Like, uh, you can say what you're saying all you want. If people were really just in it for dunking on Brian Michael Bendis, they would look at the scans and talk shit. They wouldn't pay money for it every month. I think that's what people do. That's Then why do his books sell? Because, you know, like I said, people like trash. Okay, but you're not... We're going in circles now, and you're not acknowledging the fact that the guy has fans. Next! (laughs) I, I buy his books constantly, and I've been buying them for years even when I don't think they're so great because there's something kinetic about Bendis' work that forces me to feel like I need to read it. Part of it is that he's often at the center of what's going on in terms of whatever universe he's working in, his work is important to read. And that's a part of it for me. The other part of it is, weirdly, even if I think the writing isn't great, I also feel like any given issue could be a classic. That's just Bendis. So divisive figure that he is, uh, he's having a lot of success right now, and he's riding high off these announcements, and I'm very excited for the future of DC Comics, and I'm glad that they brought their A-game to New York Comic Con. So uh, with that, we are going to jump out of here. We will have more coverage of New York Comic Con next week, so whatever... uh, announcements we didn't get to hit we will definitely hit next week alongside with of course all of our normal stuff that we do here on the comics pals uh there are many ways that you can get at us let us know what your favorite announcement was from new york comic con there's a lot of stuff uh stuff we like i said that we didn't cover so if there's something we missed you really care about let us know and uh let us know what you think about the trailers that we talked about lots of good stuff there too uh you can get us 
on social media at the Comics Pals. We are on SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, all that other good stuff. You can write to us with a random question of the week, a buy or sell, or your thoughts on this or any other episode of the Comics Pals by hitting us up at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And last but certainly not least, we are on YouTube, where if you are checking us out there, you can like this video, share with your friends, drop us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. It's free to do, and it helps out a lot more than it costs you. Make sure to hit that notification button so that you are made aware whenever our content drops. And remember, there's a bunch of new content dropping on our YouTube channel. We've got the Venom Review. We've got the Venom Book Club. We've got the interviews. We've got the Dirk Manning Surviving the Nightmare World game impressions. We've got tons of stuff going on. We've even got New York Comic Con stuff going on on the Video Game Pals YouTube channel. So you're going to want to jump over there, subscribe, and check out that content as well. Tons of stuff. So let's do some plugs. Pete. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on episode 102 of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. I am the host of the Video Game Pals with Sean. Uh, we've got Thompson and Andy on there as well. Like Sean said, we've got some really cool New York Comic Con content going up this week uh, with our buddies uh, Ed and AJ from the Party Nerds. They did some impressions on Kingdom Hearts 3, Resident Evil 2, uh, and... Uh, Devil May Cry 5. There yeah. you go. <laughs> and uh, we've got um, a great slate of Pals Play stuff this week. Thompson and I shot a couple episodes about the uh, Nintendo Switch Online's like NES catalog. I think it's some of the best stuff we've ever done on the channel. So uh, please go check it out and uh, show us your support. And then if you want to check out some of my other work, uh, I'm also working over with LootPots.com these days, doing some Nintendo news and reviews. Uh, I am hosting their podcast, The Potscast, which just dropped episode two last friday so if you want to go check that out and hear me talk about some nintendo news uh you can go check that out awesome marco you can find me at mr marco animoto on instagram and twitter um i put up some images oh shut up marco that's some disingenuous bullshit (laughs) i'm (laughs) kale i know i couldn't be here in new york with you nerds but i'm over in luxembourg and I can't speak the language. So just follow me at Toto and Toe because I need people to talk to me. Also, panels publishing. Cool. That's all, Marco. Sorry I said all those mean things. No, that's fine. That's all. Uh, Phil? Um, if you want to hit me And I up. also posted something <laughs> recently on my Instagram uh, related to a small uh, two-page short story that I'll be releasing soon. And uh, what's what's the name of that Instagram, Marco? You already said oh, it. I said it. Oh, you did? Yeah. I'll oh, cut that part out. Sorry. No, don't. We need to show that you were wrong. Fuck <laughs> yourself, Phil. Three, three for three. three. Oh! <laughs> You're all fucking dead to me. <laughs> you struck out, my man. It's one in the morning. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> we're in the middle of the Major League Baseball playoffs, and you just struck out. Oh, anyway, God. now the man of the hour is speaking. And if you want to hit me up on the social media platform to talk about how Michael Bay, uh, Brian Michael Bendis is the Michael Bay of comic books, mm-hmm then I'll gladly talk about that with you. If you want to talk about Grant Morrison's new Green, the Green Lantern run that's coming out in a couple weeks, I'd be more than glad to talk to you about that because I am excited. That looks so good. 
Uh, I also just picked up Wonder Woman Earth 2, or Earth 1 Volume 2, which I'm really excited to read, so fucking get at me with that, too. Can't wait. Um, Where'd you get that? You got it at the Midtown booth, dude. Yeah. You go pick it up tomorrow. I'm getting Hell one. I'm yeah. going to get Yannick to sign it. Yeah, son. Beautiful. Let's do yeah. that shit. Um, so, yeah. And you want to know where you can get at me? To talk to me about those things? Well, I'm glad you asked, dear listener. You can find me on Instagram oh and Twitter at, at Senator Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, Jesus. God, <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, he's not a senator. He's not. It doesn't matter. It's still funny. <laughs> Get your facts straight, rookie. Fake news. <laughs> um, oh, and make sure you watch all the coverage. Like, like Sean said, we're doing. Uh, uh, we did a pal uh, uh, film me in this this weekend, and uh, hopefully it was really good. I thought it was really good while doing it. I have confidence in Pete, so um, let's see how it turns out. And uh, anyway, come at me at Cyborg Bebop on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, talk to me there. As for me. You can get me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Soapbox. We can chat about whatever you're interested in, uh, but most especially why Phoenix is the greatest comic book character of all time. And with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Pete was wrong about Venom. Bye. I sure was. Sneeze. <laughs>